Welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're so glad you're here. This season, we are gathering around the mics to share about the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can find out more about our work on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietro Rene. And we have arrived. Yeah, wow. At the end of the season. Welcome. Congratulations, guys. So yeah, we thought we would just do a little bit of a retrospective, kind of look back at some of the ground that we've covered. Um, chapter 19 of the book, uh, Archbishop Martinez really just kind of does the same thing. Yeah. Um, he just kind of says, like, these are some of the topics that we've gone over and summarizes them. The chapter has the very inspiring title of Summary and Conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We didn't say that part. <laughs> My mistake. Thought you guys would like to know. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so, okay, so I think I mentioned this at the very beginning of the season, but The Sanctifier is written in four parts, um, and part one is a cohesive book, like mm -hmm. it was written all together, um, entitled True Devotion to the Holy Spirit. Part two is on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Part three is on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and part four is on the Beatitudes. And each of these were like, especially the last three parts were more like sermons that were kind of collected and put together. And then they were all kind of published as one manuscript. So we've covered the first part, which is the first book, really, as mm -hmm. he intended it. Right. Um, but we've also really touched on a lot of what would be inside the sections on the gifts, on the fruits, and on the Beatitudes. Yeah, so if you'd like to see those and go deeper, feel free to check out the book. Um, it's in the show notes, but so is the ebook version, mm -hmm. if you don't want a hard copy. Yeah, so I think we've covered a lot of it, at least like from just kind of a, a simple like spirituality level mm -hmm. point of view. And as I was kind of going over this, the thing that stuck out to me the most as like the best summary of this whole book is when Martina says, as the Holy Spirit gives himself to us forever and desires that his action as far as possible be constant in our souls, our correspondence, our devotion, must be a total, definitive, and perpetual surrender, a true consecration. I feel like that's the best summary of really everything that, that he's covered, everything that we've kind of reflected on based on his words. This idea that the Holy Spirit gives, gives himself to us forever, wants his action to be constant in our souls, and wants our correspondence and devotion to be total, definitive, and perpetual surrender which leads to true consecration. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants for each one of us. And I just, I think that this book like really helps. I have found that this book really helps me to enter into how it is that the Holy Spirit desires that. Yeah, I think as we draw to a close for this season of Dare to Dwell, I'm really glad that we, we kicked off the Dare to Dwell kind of name that that really came from all of you guys with the sanctifier because i think if if we're going to talk about anything to begin exploring what it means to what it means for god to dare to dwell in us and what it means for us to dare to dwell in god we can't explore any of that without the holy spirit and that really is so foundational in how we live our life as christians mm -hmm. and even before that as as we're called to you know, maybe an attraction to God, understanding where that's coming from and to whom it is directed. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, like just to kind of close this off, 
I would love to kind of go back and share some of the things that struck me the most. I would love to hear what struck you the most. And I would also love to hear what struck you guys the most. What Mm -hmm. is that one thing that the Holy Spirit kind of underlined for you, whether it was the text from the book, from scripture, from some other of the million people that we kept quoting, or <laughs> something we randomly said, like or something somebody said a hundred million times because I repeated myself <laughs> an awful lot. What is it that the Holy Spirit really underlined for you that you know that you're going to walk away from this pondering, mm-hmm. but also living out in a new way that you feel feel challenged with? Yeah. One of the things that really stood out for me came towards the end where um Martinez was breaking down how we're not called to look like a different saint. We're called to look like Jesus. Mm, and yeah. how he said, the thing, the one, the example that really struck me the most was when he said, um, would, would St. John have been able to do what St. Paul did? Right. And the answer is no. And, and I, I really found that a really beautiful example because those are two apostles who really were very zealous. And St. John was the one who remained, the only of the 12, who remained at the foot of the cross. And St. Paul was the one who preached Christ crucified. And so although they came in very different forms, they were both very zealous and courageous, right? Yeah. But the fact that they were so different from one another and they were supposed to be. Yeah. And they could not, even if they wanted to, Paul could not have done what John did. Right. And John could not have done what Paul did. And they were not meant to. And I think I find that really comforting in my own life because you know, I'm surrounded by amazing people. And when I'm, you know, when I, when I realize in a moment some of my own limitations, it can be very easy to be like, oh man, <laughs> I wish I was more like her. <laughs> she was so much more holy. And she's pointing at someone other than me, <laughs> just to be super clear. I was gesturing to an invisible example. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to make that super clear. It was not because it wasn't you. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Um, I think in those moments to differentiate between comparison and inspiration is very important. And I know, especially for me and my own temptations, like it's one thing to say, wow, this person has so much patience and that is inspiring me to ask for that gift from God as well in the form that he wants it to take in me, in the, in the circumstances that he's putting in front of me. Um, And that is a good thing. That is what we're supposed to do. When we reflect Christ, we should inspire other people to seek him more for those things and yes. other things, right? Yeah. But not to fall into like, oh, I wish I was more like her and could do her things and could do or his or whoever you're comparing yourself to. Yeah. So I found that really a very concrete way with two people I really admire, St. John and St. Paul, of just saying like, look, they weren't supposed to be like each other. They were supposed to be like Christ and they both were. No, and I love that. And be like too, if you think about, okay, so if if St. John had been more like St. Paul, who would have said God is love? Mm-hmm. And who would have said little children love one another? Yeah. Because those aren't very Pauline things to say. But if Paul had been just like St. John, mm-hmm. Who would have said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, or I have been crucified with Christ, Mm -hmm. or, oh, you foolish Galatians, because (laughs) guess what? John probably would not have written, oh, you foolish Galatians. Probably not. But we need them both. Yes, we do. And just like how beautiful it is that the Lord works so incredibly strongly through both Mm -hmm. in such very different ways. Yeah. Okay, the first thing that's sticking out to me is... Um, it's from the 
episode we did on on the theological virtues, on faith, hope, and love. And it's the quote Martinez gives. He says, he makes the statement, our chief concern and duty toward the divine guest is to try to be with him. Mm. Like kind of what else is there? Right. right. Like if we're really genuinely trying to be with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and if we're really genuinely trying to be attentive to him, and if we're really genuinely trying to please him, to be docile to his inspirations, like kind of everything else just falls into line. Yeah. And I love, love, love that he puts it in the context of a guest. Yes. That it's that it's a desirable, warm, homey image. And it's not at all like a overbearing or it's definitely a guest that we have invited and anticipated and desired and not one that just kind of has shown up and crashed the party and is now demanding attention or something. Right. Like he's very much a gentle kind of guest, but he's also a strong one. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, there's something about that image that I just really love. I think I need to sit with it a little bit more. But if our chief concern and duty is to just try to be with him, it feels like that's a really good resolution mm-hmm. to even begin to like make my examination of conscience on. Like, how was I with the divine guest today? Right. And to recognize where you truly were, mm-hmm. where you kind of half were. Yeah. And where you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All and, the facets. And still maintaining that posture of kind of gentleness toward yes. ourselves. Yes. And and that recognition of the little by little that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. that that this isn't the Christian decade. It's not the Christian year. It doesn't happen overnight. This is mm-hmm. the Christian life. Yes. And he's with us for life. He's not going to say like, oh, sorry, your time's up. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. He's going to continue working with us throughout our entire life. Mm-hmm. That's not to say we don't prepare for the end of our life. No, that's absolutely. that's definitely part of it. Right. But unless we have reason to believe that's coming soon, we know that the Lord's going to continue to work on us little by little. And truly he does. He, he, he gives us the time that we need. Yeah. You know, and, and that's also one of the graces of purgatory mm-hmm. is that if we need a little more time and we didn't really get it, <laughs> we got it. Yeah. That purification that's required. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't actually in the book per se, but when you said that, Sister Benedicta, um, about death, to me it's very consoling to know that if truly the Holy Spirit dwells within me, it's not possible to die alone. Mm. Do you know? It's like I've heard so many different shows now and TV programs and things have characters who say something to the effect of like, oh, I don't want to die alone or I don't know, I don't want so-and-so to die alone or whatever. And the response is always everybody dies alone. Mm -hmm. At the end, everybody dies alone. But I think part of the reason it's so unsatisfying to me is that it's such a lie. It's like, I mean, I'm not criticizing the show writers, they're creating worlds here, but at the end of the day, that is one of the most dangerous lies that we can buy yeah. into, that the devil gives to us, that we we are going to die alone. Mm-hmm. And when we know that God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, and that he loved us so much that he came to live inside of us, mm-hmm. it's not just that Jesus is waiting for us on the other side. He's in us the whole time. Yeah, The Holy Spirit is with us the whole time. At no point are we alone, whether no. it's our loved ones that we're worried about 
whether they are afraid or not, whether we are afraid or not, we can we can have a real assurance that no, like it's not just that someone's holding our hand as our soul leaves our hand, you know. Mm-hmm. God is holding every part of us, yeah, including the part that he ushers across to the other side, you know, and what a consolation that is. Yeah. And not only God, I mean, that's the biggest part, right? Well, yeah. But also <laughs> all of the saints that we've had a special devotion to, the Blessed yes. Mother, yeah. like there's there's this heavenly reality that we are so blind to sometimes. Yeah, we really are. But it's so real. Mm-hmm. And there's moments we get glimpses of it. Yes. Yeah. And then we f- promptly forget. <laughs> We're like, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I go chop my cucumbers now and forget all about this. <laughs> cucumbers? I don't know why I'm thinking about cucumbers. Are you hungry? Should we go have lunch? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want salad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking like, the. Re- I know we keep bringing this back to the mass, but the the reality that at every mass, there's a heavenly host present. Yes. Or or even more accurately, we go to be with the heavenly host mm-hmm. Yeah, at Mass. And I think there have been times when I have kind of glimpsed that, um, you know, a really beautifully celebrated solemn Mass, like on Christmas Day or something, like mm-hmm. where we're joining in the actual song. Of the, the, actual, of the angels. actual angels. Yes. Of the actual day. Like yes. there's something really profound about that. Yeah. But it's also true at a rushed 15-minute daily Mass, <laughs> it is also true because it's the same sacrifice. They're still there, yeah. And we're still being transported to the same sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But to your point, like, and and they are also present to us through the mystical body of Christ mm-hmm. at all of these moments of our lives. Yeah. And that's why we're able to reach out to them, to ask them for their prayers, for their help, for the support, and also why... For example, St. Joseph is the patron of the dying, right? Right. Because he had Jesus and Mary with him when he died. Right. And he also can accompany and be present to those who are dying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really beautiful point. I love that. Yeah, so we've got the Holy Spirit in life, the Holy Spirit in death, and the Holy Spirit in resurrection. Yeah. That about covers it. I mean, yeah, we covered it. <laughs> I think one of the things I was a little bit surprised by mm-hmm. was how frequently I found myself going to things like the abandonment to divine providence because of the themes of this book. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That that this theme of, of wanting to totally accept and submit myself to the will of God, whatever that means and whatever that ends up looking like yeah. and however uncomfortable that might be, um, that that desire would be so stirred up by this book. Um, I mean, thinking about it, it doesn't. It shouldn't surprise me, but I think I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I think there's something about God. (laughs) (laughs) Can I quote you on that? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Everyone will know I have a PhD. (laughs) Sister Ian has a thing for God. (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's not true. I don't have a PhD. Um, (laughs) um, there's, There's something about God that kind of reminds us of being present in a way that's not dependent on our own conception of time. Mm. Because obviously we do live in time. It's not like we completely made it up. <laughs> we experience the effects of change, right? Right. It's created. Right. It's a created thing. Exactly. Yeah. The sun goes up and down. God made that happen. 
but he is not bound by it. So our our concerns about, you know, if I don't finish this task in the next 10 minutes, all these other things are going to be late and my boss is going to yell at me. <laughs> like all of those concerns, he cuts right through them. Mm-hmm. And it's not because time doesn't affect him that he doesn't care, you know? It's because he sees the bigger picture and he can help us be present in our present moment in a way that allows us to be present in the next 10 minutes, in a way that allows us to be present in the next two years, you know? Yeah. Because when we are so caught up in what may happen in the future or what will probably happen to the point where we don't live any of it intentionally, that we're not really present to any of it, it really does um, cripple our ability to live fully and to even see God working in other people, to be able to love other people, to be able to hold their pain, their joy. We're only half there. Yeah. And we might actually have never experienced being fully there. We might not know what that feels like or to have someone fully present to us. And you know what? It's pretty likely that we probably haven't. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the fallen human condition. It's okay if, if that's the boat that we're in. But... God didn't come that we would have half a life. He came that we would have life and have it to the full, right? Yeah. He says that in scripture. Yeah. So even that, the Holy Spirit chips away at our half-presentness by being fully present to us. And that is how we kind of learn how to be fully present to others too. Yeah. It's true. Like whenever I'm having trouble praying, it's usually because I'm not fully present. It's not because God's not fully present, right? Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I might also be struggling with, like, I don't feel you present, but mm-hmm. it's never that he's half there. He's mm-hmm. always all there. Mm-hmm. It might just be me. Well, I mean, even with each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I didn't hear you come in the room. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're not there. Right. It's very right? true. Yeah. Like, I scare a lot of people that way. <laughs> I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> you have a very light step. But, like, the idea that, like, even <laughs> those of us with physical bodies can not be totally noticed by each other right. or we can have a blind spot to it yeah. or you know like sometimes i like to go to chapel late at night sometimes and i have to do like an extra scour of the chapel to like make sure that i'm actually there alone because it's usually really dark <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's really awkward if you start praying out loud and somebody else is sitting in the back already <laughs> and they just <laughs> cough to yeah. alert you of their presence yes a very a very polite little <laughs> you like, might no, want to there. stop right there mm-hmm. <laughs> How much of this do you really want to share with me? Um, But like there have been times, maybe I'm not praying out loud and they don't have any reason to make their presence extra note or something. And I'm on my way out. And sure enough, there's somebody there. And you're like, how long have you been there? Yeah. And you don't know. And you don't know. And it maybe didn't really matter. But the Mm -hmm. fact is that like even we as bodily creatures can sometimes totally miss each other. And sometimes that's physical my eyes did not physically perceive you mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes it's mental i was so wrapped up in my own thoughts yeah. and in my own concerns or in my own upset or whatever that i was just completely un- inattentive to my surroundings and i and i missed seeing you there and sometimes it's it could be like i'm choosing to just kind of stay in my bubble and i don't actually care if there's anybody else here i just don't want anybody to look at me talk to me be around me don't poke the bubble, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we do all three things also to God. Like sometimes we don't perceive him and that's just kind of like 
I didn't happen to look in this dark corner where he happened to be hanging out waiting to see if I saw him there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes it could be I'm so wrapped up in my own thoughts that even though he does try to whisper, I just can't even hear it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it could be that I have my bubble up and I don't want him to come through it, but I'm also kind of mad at him for not. Yes. And I've heard the I've heard the term negativity bias thrown around a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, by various people on social media. And I do think that that can play into it too, because it's true. If we're walking down, you know, a high school hallway, we're having a really bad day and a bunch of people are like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, you did such a good job with this. Like, hey, I'm going to see you tomorrow after school, right? And I don't register any of that. Mm -hmm. And I go home and I'm like, yeah, nobody talked to me. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared. No one noticed. No one cared if I was doing well or not. Literally no one saw me. A bunch of people did. Yeah. A bunch of people cared. A bunch of people tried to do stuff. Yep. And I was so like convinced and self-prophesying that this would be my day, that I allowed it to be my day, even though other people were actively working to not make it my day. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And we can kind of do that in prayer sometimes. We can self-sabotage our own prayer. Yeah. And sometimes it is as simple as a negativity bias. Sometimes it's because even in prayer, especially in prayer, <laughs> as in many other places in life, we may feel or fear a lack of control, right? Yeah. We don't know what God is going to do if he's not going to do anything about this right now, if he wants to talk about something else, if if whatever. And if we're in a place where that's going to seem scary and we don't know where he's going to go and we're not, we're not really ready and we're not trusting him to know when we're ready, even though he does— then we might self-sabotage our own prayer on mm-hmm. purpose, mm-hmm. even if it's subconscious, just so that we don't have to go there. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit just kind of is like, okay, well, mm-hmm. try this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's just kind of like, well, I'm still here. Yes. He never goes. I'm still here. And when you decide to come over to this corner of the world or mm-hmm. if you, when you decide to look my way, we'll pick up where we left off. And even if you don't, he'll poke you plenty of times. Oh, yeah. Yes. He's a nudger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have definitely found that a lot of the times when I have assumed that, you know, I just keep thinking about something or like, why do I keep thinking about this thing? Why do I keep thinking about this person? Oh, that that was a weird dream to have with this person in it. Yeah. I haven't seen them in like 13 years. Weird. Mm-hmm. You know? like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or how bizarre, I woke up at 3 a.m. thinking about so-and-so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Often, almost always, that is the Holy Spirit giving us a little bit of a nudge. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's to bring something to prayer in terms of praying about something or praying for mm-hmm. someone or praying for a relationship with someone, whether we know them or not, um, the Spirit really can still put them on our hearts. And that is because He dwells in us. Mm-hmm. He dwells in them, or he may be calling them to a relationship where he can. Yeah. And there are very few things as beautiful as the fact that that is a tiny piece of evidence, like this this little glimmer of what communion means, yeah. what we will be to one another in heaven in and through him. Yeah. Heaven's going to be cool. I can't wait. I really like... um. It's not in the sanctifier, but at some point, I can't even remember what letter it's in, but St. Paul is talking about heaven and how excited he is to go there and how he'd much rather be there than here. But then he's like, but for your sake. Yes. 
I guess I'll accept that I have to stay here. I'm putting words a little bit in his mouth, but that's kind of what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really beautiful thing because to me that speaks of how deep his relationship was with the Holy Spirit, that he knew exactly what heaven would be like, even though he didn't know what heaven would be like, you know? Mm -hmm. When we know the person who, who holds heaven in being, right? Then we know. We might not know any of the particulars, but we know. Yeah. And that brings so much joy that even if, even if we're like, okay, well, heaven would be objectively better <laughs> or objectively more enjoyable, all we want is God's will. And if God's will is for us to remain here, we want that yeah. because we know that that is not only for our own good and for our own ability to go to heaven fully free to love, fully free to be there. Um, in a way that, you know, soaks up all of the God that we can, right? Mm -hmm. But also because it is allowing other people into that same gift. Yeah. So yeah. why would we want anything else than God's will for us? Yeah. Right? Like, the more that you get to know God, the more you realize just how great heaven's going to be. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have kind of a misconception about heaven. Yes. That it's like, I don't know. We'll all do our favorite sport or yeah, like, yeah, like it's a big fancy eternal golf, golf course or like resort. Yeah. And it's definitely not that like Paul means it when he says I has not seen nor his ear heard what right. God has ready for those who love him. Right. Like it's not the good place mm -hmm. as in like the TV show. Right. And it's not <laughs> and it's not a theme park. Yeah. And it's also not time unending. Right. Because that's another thing, like especially um, those of us who maybe have struggles with like depression or anxiety or whatever, mm -hmm. like that can feel despairing. Like to have that, the, the idea of like time unending just actually sounds like torture. Right. Right. Like there's Twilight Zone episodes about that. <laughs> like <laughs> that is not the desire. That's no. not what we're made for. No. Eternity is not time unending. Mm -hmm. Eternity is participation in God. Yes. And it's like an eternal present. Mm-hmm. Which we cannot comprehend. So I'm not like trying to claim that like I get it and I wish you would get it. Like none of us gets it. <laughs> none of us gets it. But it is not time as we experience it. No, no, no. And and like even I saw a conversation on Twitter not too long ago between um, some, I think at least one was a priest, but they were uh, religion teachers um, in I think one in high school and one in college. And they were talking about how so often their students take issue with Jesus teaching that there will not be marriage in heaven. Hmm. And one of the insights that their conversation kind of led to was this idea that so many of their students think that the union that we have with each other in heaven will somehow be less than earthly marriage. Oh. And they're kind of they're rebelling yeah. against this idea that they won't have what what the, the thing that it is that they're longing for in marriage. Mhm. Mm and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, that will be a moot point. That will be less important because the new thing will be so much better. It'll be right. so much more. Deeper. It'll be deeper. It'll be more profound. Mm -hmm. It'll be more perfect. It'll mm -hmm. be more intense. Like, all of it. Yeah. It'll be more pleasurable. Like, mm -hmm. all of it. Everything that we, like, really truly desire, every desire that is, like, good and points to God will be satisfied. And so marriage points to, in kind of a shadowy way, right. 
a reality that will exist in heaven. So I just thought that was a really interesting conversation that, that they were having mm-hmm. and that they would arrive to the fact that like, no, it's that these kids are thinking that marriage is better than heaven somehow. And I think it's so easy for us to think like this. They must be seeing great marriages because like I could think of a bunch that I would not classify like that. Sure. No, absolutely. <laughs> but like like the ideal, right. like the ideal right. marriage somehow Which is, is better than heaven. It's beautiful that they see that it can yes. be very good. Yes. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. But I think that so often we forget just how good heaven will be. Yeah. And that actually nothing earthly can even come close. No. Yeah. Not the very best thing. And there's really no way to know that without the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. because we cannot know that without knowing God. And we can get little tastes now. Mm-hmm. Little teeny itty bitty tastes. Right. Yeah, I, I have had people say to me um, along the lines of, you know, you know, we live for this for this faith that we have, but... None of us can ever really be certain. And you just, mm-hmm. you know, you go hoping mm-hmm. that that this is the truth and and they kind of see a beauty in that. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's not that there's no beauty and hope. Of course there is. But the only reason that you and I are here, Sister Benedicta, <laughs> is because we can be sure. And not only can we be sure, but we are sure. And it's not because we are sitting you know, in a library, the Library of Alexandria, sifting through all of these ancient documents and all of the world religions and all of the philosophical speculations of cultures beyond time. Like, the only reason that we can be sure is because we have met a person. Yeah. The only reason we can be sure of God is because we've met him and we know him. And when, when we're at that point, we can be sure and we are sure. Yes. And the Holy Spirit is what allows that surety. Because he, he facilitates that entire, the meeting, the getting to know, the falling, the coming back to relationship, forgiveness, like all those things. Yeah. Wandering away, being brought back. Like <laughs> that's, the Holy Spirit facilitates all of that. Yeah. Every human experience has the capacity to point back to God. Yep. Yeah. Even like God's so powerful, even our sin, even our turning away from mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. has the capacity to do something in us that turns us back to God. Yeah. And in fact, sometimes that is why God allows us to fall into sin. You know, like sometimes that is why rather than preventing it, even when we ask for help, like, hey, this temptation is becoming really strong. You know, could you help me with this? And then we still fall into it or whatever. God wants us to feel our need for him. And so it turns that little bit around. It touches my heart to say, hey, that little extra bit of humility that makes you turn toward God just even a little bit more is good mm-hmm. is good and that's why he allows some th- some bad things to happen and i love what you're pointing out too that like this certainty and this assurance is real yeah and is possible like hebrews 11:1 1 says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen and sometimes that's translated as the certainty of yeah. things hoped for like we know mhm and I've also had it put to me that people who feel that way, it is because they've never truly suffered. Mm. And I think <laughs> that people, is a very you mean unreasonable. People who feel that faith is certain have never suffered. 
They think that if you believe that faith is certain, you have never suffered. Okay, got it. That it's only possible to believe that if mm. you have never suffered. And I always found that a very fascinating argument because <laughs> the people with the most certainty mm. that I've ever met in my own life, but also in history, yeah. are the people who have suffered the most. Yeah. And I think it's really important to recognize that because we are a very... um what the world would perceive as a foolish people, that we believe that the pinnacle of our faith, um, the moment where we see God's greatest love or, or his love exemplified in the greatest way is the cross. Mm-hmm. It's in a moment of suffering. Mm-hmm. A, kind of negates that whole point. But, but B, if ever you are tempted to think that yourself, like it, it's a really important thing to step back and say, this thing that I'm struggling with or that I'm watching someone else struggle with, this is an opportunity for me to actually be the closest I've ever been with God. Yeah. So if, if I'm all of a sudden feeling the need to step away or feeling that, like, why aren't they stepping away? That can really be a temptation that can basically, basically it's there to rob us of the deepest encounter we've ever had with God. So like we have a choice there to pursue God's presence there and to ask him to reveal himself mm-hmm. in it or we have the choice to be like you know what uh yeah I don't I don't want the cross I don't want Christ crucified I I don't want Jesus and I I don't get why you do either yeah you know yeah fair enough it's it, it's fair enough to to ask yourself why you would want a crucified god sure right sure but but make sure you understand all of the consequences and nuances of that before you reject it. Yep. Because that's love. You're, you're rejecting love. You're rejecting yeah. life. You're rejecting healing. Yeah. And that is what the Holy Spirit makes possible for us when we ask to be able to step into that ultimate intimate relationship with him mm. and to be certain because of our suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And if that doesn't make any sense, read some Lives of the Saints. Yeah. Honestly. Pick yeah. one. Pick pick almost any. Actually, no. Pick anyone. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. 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 Toward the end of this, of this chapter, Martina says, Consequently, the cross, the supreme symbol of love and pain, is the consummation of devotion to the Holy Spirit and therefore of Christian life and perfection. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately the goal. And again, like we said in the last episode, it's not the cross per se. It's not the pain per se. It's the love and the resulting resurrection that comes. Yes. I, <laughs> so I, I watched all of season two of Shadow and Bone and I wrote about it for our sisters at PCMS. And this is not a spoiler if you haven't seen the show. It's a spoiler of like one season or one show, I should say. Um, but at one point there is a character that, that kind of confronts many of the characters who are basically cutting out deep friendships or romantic relationships or whatever from their life because they're afraid of facing more pain, right? Mm. And this character confronts them and tells them, in her words, that is a small way to live. Mm. And she says that in a moment where they realize that she has given up far more than they are ever willing to even try to give up, that she has suffered more than they have suffered, and that she has found more peace and fulfillment than mm. they have ever found. And 
I was so struck by that when when it happened in that season because it immediately me- made me think of C.S. Lewis and his quote about how it's not because we desire things too too much, it's because we desire too little. Mm-hmm. And how Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. Like yeah. when we are not willing to be vulnerable in love, in prayer, in relationships, it is a small way to live. It is. And God made us for greatness because his love is great. And maybe that means that nobody outside of our little town of 400 people will ever know our name, but that has nothing to do with it. It doesn't because guess what? You have the down payment of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Yep. It doesn't get richer (laughs) than that. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could go on forever, but I kind of want to just say like, I think my prayer for our listeners and for myself and for you <laughs> this season <laughs> is like, can we let God surprise us? Can we let something of who he is catch us off guard? Can we step a little bit outside of our comfort zone of the box that we've put God into? Um, I think that's what, you know, I, I kicked off the whole season with the the quote about calling the father the bosom of, of immense tenderness. Yes. Um, like. And that caught me off guard and it changed mm. my life. Like, can mm-hmm. we let the truth and the reality of who God is, how big he is, how loving he is, how near he is, catch us off guard and change us? And he really is a God of surprises. He is. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So I guess with that in mind, we'll um, pray for the last time our, our chaplet. <laughs> and we will, as a bonus episode at the end of the season, we will release an episode of just the chaplet in case you wanted to download that and just kind of continue to pray that sometimes. Yeah. And then you can use it as just a prayer guide. You can share it with other people who want to learn the prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For the gift of wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of knowledge. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of counsel. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, 
and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of fear of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. For the gift of piety. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. And for the gift of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. By myself, 
I can do nothing, but with God I can do all things. For the love of God I want to do all things. To him honor and glory, to me the eternal reward. Holy Spirit, vivify me. Love of God, consume me. The way of truth, lead me. With your grace, empower me. You are the promised one sent by the Father, reminding us of all that Jesus' Master taught. I ask you for no other knowledge, no other wisdom, than that of Christ crucified, and that he may live in me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Dare to Dwell is a production of the Daughters of St. Paul, and is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. For more information about our sisters or ministry, or to learn about how you can support us, visit connect.pauline.org patreon. God bless you.